What's your uh, New Year's resolution this year? You already started thinking about that? Some of you are like, John, I don't even want to think about that. I'm still trying to get cleaned up from Christmas. I don't want to think about the New Year. And others of you are like, yeah, bring it on. Finally. 2019 has been hard. 2020 has got to be better, right? I don't know what stage you're in when you're thinking about this coming year, but we often make these commitments. We make these resolutions. When I think of resolutions, I always think about my namesake. It's kind of weighty. Namesake, kids, that's, what, that's the person you're named for. You should actually ask your parents, your grandparents, like, why, why, why were you given that name? That would be a really good question. Not right now. Later on at lunch, okay? But who are you named after? Well, my dad um, was going to school in Massachusetts at Gordon-Conwell Seminary, and uh, he took a class on Jonathan Edwards. Uh, Jonathan Edwards was a pastor. He was a, a theologian. He was, um, he was uh, a philosopher. In fact, he was the first president of Pr Princeton University. And, and most importantly, Jonathan Edwards was used by God to help bring about the first great awakening. And I thought that that would be really important because I know a lot of you have been praying for revival. You want awakening here, right, in our country. And um, so I was, I was named after this guy named Jonathan Edwards. And, and uh, that's a pretty weighty, tall order because this guy was one of the leading um, theologians really in, in church history. And yet, um, when I look back at his life, and some of his things that he writes are just so over my head, but um, he writes, writes these resolutions when he was just about my daughter's age, about 18, okay? 18, 19 years old. He writes these resolutions, 70 different resolutions. 20 years later, as he's pastoring, um, a woman comes to faith in Christ by the name of Deborah Gathaway, and she wants to know what she's supposed to do. What are the next steps in growing in her faith? And so um, uh, Jonathan Edwards actually writes these all down for her and says, this is, this is advice to, to new converts. And so I have a few of the resolutions. I'm not going to list all 70 of them today, but I want to read a few and, and try to explain them. So think about this. 18-year-old Jonathan Edwards writes this, Resolve that I will do whatsoever I think to be most to God's glory and my own good and good profit and pleasure in the whole of my duration, without any consideration of the time, whether now or never, so many of the myriads of ages hence. Think about that. So what he's trying to say is, I just want to do everything for God's glory. I don't care how long it will take. I'll do whatever it takes. And I will do this, a resolve to do whatever I think to be my duty and most for the good and advantage of mankind in general. Wouldn't that be amazing if we all started to think that way? I'll do whatever I can to do for the best of mankind. He actually died um, taking a vaccine to try to help people. Um, so he lived this out. Then he goes on to say, resolve to do this, whatever difficulties I meet with, how many or how great whatsoever or soever. The next one is resolve to be continually endeavoring to find out some new invention and contrivance to promote the aforementioned things. So whatever it takes to bring glory to God, I'll do it. The third resolution was this. Resolve, if I ever shall fail and grow dull, so as to neglect to keep any part of these resolutions, to repent of all I can remember when I come to myself again. So immediate repentance. Next resolution. 
Resolve never to do any manner of thing, whether in soul or body or less, more what tends to the glory of God, nor be suffer for it if I can avoid it. So he's willing to go through the suffering for the glory of God. He's resolved never to lose one moment of time, but improve it the most profitable way I can possibly manage. So this guy was like into time management before we ever were, right? This is back in the 1700s. Resolved to live with all my white, my white while I do live. Like, you know, lived life to the max. Resolved when I feel pain to think of the pains of martyrdom of hell. So, you know, when you have an aching back from squats, have I thought about martyrdom and hell? I don't know, but, that, you know, that's what Jonathan Edwards did. When I think of, of any theorem in divinity to be solved, immediately to do what I can towards solving it if circumstances don't hinder. So if you have questions about God or anything about the Bible, this Jonathan Edwards is, like, committed to working hard to find an answer. His 12th resolution was this, resolved if I take delight in it as gratification of pride or vanity or any such account, immediately to throw it by. Uh, resolve never to do anything which if I should see in another, I should count an occasion to despise him for or to think any the more meanly of him. In other words, I'm not going to be jealous of people if I see better things in them. Fourteenth, re, fourteen resolution. N resolve never to do anything out of revenge. Maybe that's just your resolution this year. I'm not going to do anything out of revenge. Resolve never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I should hear the last trump. Think about this. Think about this, kids. If Jesus is coming back in one hour, if I said Jesus is coming back in an hour, and I'm not saying he is, he could, but I'm not saying he is, would that change things for you? What would you do? Would you still go to Swiss Chalet? <laughs> would you be afraid of some things? Would you be afraid of telling somebody what's the worst they can do, do to you, Right? 20th resolution, resolve to maintain the strictest temperance in eating and drinking. 22nd uh, resolution, resolve to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as possibly can with all the power and might and vigor and vehemence, yea, violence I'm capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. He wasn't promoting violence there. He was saying, I'll do whatever it takes to live for the next world, not for this world. I've been thinking a lot about this because, you know, there's a lot of times we have losses here. Maybe you didn't, you didn't get that promotion. You didn't make that grade. You didn't get those things that you wanted. It isn't all lost. Heaven, the new heavens, the new earth will be so much better. And that's what Jonathan Edwards is saying. The 28th resolution, I'll come back to that later, actually. But it's so important, studying the scriptures. 29 says, resolve never to, to count that a prayer, nor let that pass a prayer, nor that as a petition of prayer, which is so made that I cannot hope that God will answer it, nor that as a confession, which I cannot hope God will accept. Like he prayed that God would actually going to answer him. Isn't that profound? Maybe that's part of the, re the reason why the, the Great Awakening happened. Resolve to inquire every night as I'm going to bed wherein I have been negligent, what sin I've committed, and wherein I've denied myself also at the end of every week, month, and year. So he really tried to keep short accounts with God. And the 41st resolution is resolved to ask myself at the end of every year, week, month, and year, wherein I could possibly in any respect have done better. Just a constant evaluation in his life. 
Uh, the 54th resolution, whenever I hear anything spoken in conversation of any person, if I think I should be praise, if, if I think it should be praiseworthy of me, resolve to endeavor to imitate it. So you hear, you see some other things in other people, like some characteristics that are really good, you hear about them, and you're like, I want that. I'm going to work hard to try to add that to my life. And then the 62nd resolution, resolve never to do anything but duty, and then according to Ephesians 6, 6 through 8, do it willingly and cheerfully as unto the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good thing any man doth the same shall he receive of the Lord. That's a game changer. Can you imagine if we served this year going, I don't care if I get any recognition, if anybody says thank you, gives me any gratitude, as much as that's important, I'm doing it unto the Lord. God sees it. They might not see it. God sees it. Those are some pretty amazing resolutions, right? Now, I, if I'm confessing my own, my own life here, like, I barely get past the, the singing of that song. What is it? Laud, Laud, Sane, something like that. You can, I can never pronounce this. That New Year's song, right? And I've already broken my New Year's resolution. So if there was one resolution that I think we should all be committed to, that we all can keep, it's reading God's Word together. It's reading and understanding God's Word together. It goes back to, to the 28th, um, resolution. I don't know if we could pull that back just for a second. Um, thank you very much, Donna. Resolve to study the scriptures so steadily, constantly, and frequently as that I may find and plainly perceive myself to grow in the knowledge of the same. If you commit to reading God's word every day, you will have your life changed. Guaranteed. This is, this is what will change your life the most. And we actually see this in the book of Nehemiah. I'd encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 today. And if you don't know where Nehemiah is, just Google it. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. And um, we are so committed to this. In fact, um, we, we would encourage you to develop and, and think about a Bible reading plan. We have one that we sent out to you uh, this, uh, this earlier this year. If you're not on our email list, we'd love to, to connect you further. But it's the, the Bible Project, and it's called The Whole Bible. And um, it, this is, this, our family loves The Bible Project. It has great videos, and this is a chronological um, journey through the whole Bible. And so we encourage you to, go, take, to download the YouVersion app. It has a whole bunch of different Bible reading plans. And we encourage you to read God's word and it will give you some plans there. But we're actually uh, promoting this one, the, the Bible Project, reading through the Bible through the year, and it will give you some videos you can do, okay? Let's, uh, let's stand for the reading of God's word from Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 through, 11, um, 1 through really verse 8. Um, we could read through verse 11, but I'm going to really read um, verses 1 through 8. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses of the Lord and commanded Israel. And so Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it from facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on the wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattathiah, Shema, 
Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Masai. On his right hand, and then Padadiah, Mishael, Malkajah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodidiah, Masai, Kalita, Azariah, Josabad, Hanan, Peleliah, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. And I think it's appropriate we should all say amen and amen. Can we say that? Amen and amen, which means truly, truly, this is truth. You may, be, you may be seated. May God add understanding to the reading of his word today. Let me walk you through. My, what, I, what I first notice here as I look at verse 1 is they all read God's word. They all came together as one man. There was great unity. Today we have one service. We're all together as a church. We're reading God's word. We're trying to understand God's word. I found, and I encourage you, as I said, to, to get into that Bible reading program. Look at that Bible project. Do it as a family. Do it as individuals. Do it with your friends. Do it with your small groups. Those are important to, to have um, a Bible reading program. And I got to say that in my life, um, that, that has been such a help to me that I commit every day to read God's word. And... Um, for me, I do that very early in the morning. For you, you might do it late at night if you're more of a, um, an owl rather than a rooster, if I could put it that way, right? Um, whatever is your best time, you should commit to giving your best time to the Lord and reading God's Word. And that's helped me a lot. And, and I, I've studied a lot and tried to learn a lot. But I got to tell you, as much as I've learned individually, what I still need no matter how much education, I still need to be with God's people to learn his word. The, the understanding of God's word is a community project. Did you realize that? Because if you don't study with other people, you tend to get novel with your interpretations and your ideas. You need a, a collective, a group of people who will help you to understand God's word. And so we see this right here as Ezra gathers the people and they all gathered as one man. There was great unity. So that's why really this, this year, I would say our best New Year's resolution is to study and understand God's word together. Just like um, when I work out, I don't work out hardly ever just by myself. I get together with Adrian Hoyt, and I know that he's going to be with me on Tuesdays and Friday mornings at 6 p.m., or maybe not quite at 6 p.m. We're not always there quite on time, right, Adrian? But, but uh, what did I say? A.M. Sorry, A.M. See, I need help. So um, <laughs> we need each other, right, is the point. And we need even to read God's Word together. This is why we encourage you to um, make this year a commitment to small groups. 
we encourage you to study God's word. And it's really simple. You, you, you don't have to worry about doing a lot of homework. If you're like, I don't have time to do all this homework. Just come to church and sitting here and paying attention to God's word, you're already ahead because you'll spend half an hour to, to 40 minutes reading God's word, understanding God's word. And then we talk about the sermon and we try to grow and we try to apply God's word because each one of us is going to be held accountable for God's word. So if you're, having, if you're not part of a small group, please talk to Pastor Jason. Jason, just wave your hand there for a second. Um, talk to him afterwards. He'd love to set you up in a small group. And uh, I know Lori and I are starting ours next Sunday night. I gotta, I gotta just say that I haven't had enough courage to, to, to tell you that you all need to be in a small group. I've, we've, we've promoted small groups, but I, I really wanna turn this up. Because I'm introverted too. And some of you say, I don't want to be with other people. But you grow, you grow together. And small groups is the best way that you can study God's word and apply it together. It just is. Why do I know that? Because the greatest disciple maker, whoever walked the face of the earth, that's how he did it. That's how Jesus made disciples, right? He gathered a group of 12 men and he, they did life together. They, they studied, studied and, and learned all the truth that Jesus wanted to teach them and they applied, applied the truth of God. So if you're not in a small group, you need to be in a small group. If you're a member, you actually agreed to that, but don't do it just out of duty. Do it because this is an opportunity to really grow. So that's your invitation to a small group. Look at the second part of, of verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. Why was it the water gate that they gathered? It was the water gate because that was the place of, of where they thirsted. There's, a, there's, a, there's a really a metaphor there. They were thirsting for God's word. So are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for God's word? Do you hunger for it? Last week, uh, we gave three responses to the gift of God's word, which were confusion. Some of you might be confused when God's word's delivered. We try to work on that, but we asked you, you know, first of all, asked, are you a believer? Second of all, the second um, response to God's word is, is really conviction or mourning. And the third response is, is really celebration and joy. When God's gift of his word is given to you. This week, I want to um, give you five keys to unlocking the Bible. Five keys to unlocking the Bible. The first one we already covered, and that is read the Bible together. We want you to read the Bible together, maybe as a family, as, as a church, as a small group. The second thing is, is be attentive to the Bible. The third is to really elevate the Bible, to understand its authority in our lives. The, the fourth is to explain the Bible to, to, so people can understand it, and, and God gives us with teachers to help with that. And then finally, there's a, there's a response that not just, just leave it as that, but you're supposed to worship the God of the Bible. Not worship the Bible, but worship the God of the Bible. And so those are five keys to unlocking, unlocking the Bible. So together we, we want to read, be attentive, elevate, and explain God's word so that we can worship him. That's really what it comes down to. Let's unpack this um, a little bit further. Let's talk a little bit about reading. 
reading God's word together. Now, some of you say, well, I'm not really into reading. And, and in our society, we read less and less. We read a lot on screens, but we read less and less books. And um, many of us may even struggle with reading. Maybe it's, it, English is your second language, and it's hard for you to read. Um, in our family, we have two of our family members have learning challenges, and they, they really struggle with reading. But they love stories, right? When Lori starts, who's a master storyteller, starts telling the story, they all pay attention. And as we read God's word together, uh, things are grasped. And that's actually helped my, my kids be able to, to learn how to, to read better as we read together. So again, I encourage you to read God's word together. Let's move on to being attentive to, to the Bible. What does that mean, to be attentive? Um, and nowadays we might say to have active listening. Um, to be act, attentive to the Word of God is when uh, a group of people actually start to get quiet and let the voice of God come louder than anything else. Uh, it's saying no to the distractions all around us and to, to really listen for God's Word. Did you realize that God wants to speak to you today? Did you realize that he has given you his word and he wants you to hear his voice and to not harden your heart, but to listen to it? Uh, we, we see this, that they gathered as one, and I love what it says, that they gave attention to God's word. Um, look at verses 2 and 3. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand understood what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read it facing from the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. And in the presence of the men and the women and all those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. They wanted it. Ask God this year to give you a hunger for God's word, to be attentive to it, to actively listen to it, to hear his voice. The next step is to, and by the way, the act of listening, I think, is helpful. If you can maybe repeat that back to somebody else and say, you know, okay, what did God say? What, what was God saying in this passage? So when you read God's word, as a, as a family, as, as a small group, Say, okay, what did he, what was he, could you summarize that in your own words? If you were going to tell somebody at work, tell me somebody at school, what, what does this mean? And how does this apply to your life? That's that next step of making it authoritative and to have that, that, that act of listening. The third, the third um, a key to unlocking the Bible is not just to read the Bible together and be attentive to it, but also to elevate the Bible. This is to let it have authority over us. Look at verse 5. It says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, as he opened it all to the people, and they stood. The reformers, they built these huge pulpits, right, to communicate that God's word was above them. Now, we are in a lower church. We don't have these massive pulpits that maybe sometimes get in the way, but the, the idea is still there. And... And in some churches, actually, and maybe you've seen this, this is what happens is, is the minister will have this big Bible, right? And, and they'll hold it up and they'll go, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. And the people will say, amen, amen, right? And so 
I'm not going to start doing this. This is not the new tradition here at uh, Temple. But it communicates something. Do you really believe that this is, is your guide for life? Is this your authority? Let me ask it in a really, in a really um, modern way. When you have a problem in your life, do you go to Google or do you go to God's Word? Now, I'm not talking about do your own projects, okay? I'm not talking about like how to get the tile on your bathroom floor or anything like that, okay? There's really great people who are good at that and you can check out YouTube. But I'm talking about like if you have a marriage problem, if you have a relational problem, if you have a money problem, if you have a sex problem, like the Bible speaks to all these issues. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard, um, even thinking about this, um, you know when people say, well, well, parenting doesn't come with a manual? Have you heard that phrase before? That's actually not true. God wrote the manual. It's right in here. It's better than even the focus on the family as well as that is. Okay? You keep coming back to God's word and you show, here's what I've learned about parenting. This is one, my one piece of parenting advice as I learned this year. Uh, someone taught me this. Parenting shows you how weak you are, not how strong you are. And how much grace you need from God. Doesn't that just help you? Like, there are no perfect parents. There's not five easy tips and your kids are going to turn out great this way. But God's word will keep reminding you, you need my grace. I need you. I need you every hour. Right? So this is wisdom. Do you believe that? Better than Google? Okay. Love it. So if it's wisdom, you need it to be explained, right? Look at verses 7 and 8. You have all these, these people named that would actually explain God's word. You see, a verse, you see in, verse, in verse 4 and then also in verses um, 7 and 8. And can you imagine? Can you imagine being part of this list of people that have been written down in God's word and they can, most people can't even pronounce your name, but you're known as, as a person who can explain God's word. That's an awesome gift. Keep working at that. Some people sometimes come to me and say, John, how do you know God's word so much? And I'm like, it's, it's not, it's just like anything. You just, you just keep reading it. You keep working at it. And the Holy Spirit, if you have a desire for it, will help. So you parents or, or you people are like, I don't understand. I can't explain it. It's good to come to elders. It's good to come to Bible teachers and, and they'll help you along. But it also just comes from reading it, right? And you'll get to know it better. So again, read God's word. And we have a situation in life in God's, that we don't understand. Go to God's word first. Let that be the source of authority. Explaining it really means when it says explaining it and understanding it, it has the idea to be distinct and separate. And so this is why in our small groups, the very first question that we, we ask is this. We ask, what encouraged, challenged, or confused you about this week's passage or sermon? That's the very first question. Because I realize that when I say something, I've had this in my over two decades of pastoring, people come to me and say, you said this, and I'm like, I didn't, say, I didn't mean that at all. And I often wonder, did I make things clear? This is my first goal. 
And so these, these people, they, they, uh, they worked hard at explaining God's word. And then look at, going back to verse 6, the last step in the key to unlocking God's word is you have to do something about it. You need to worship. It says, and they blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, amen, amen, lifting up their hands. And then they stood, which is why we stand for reading God's word. This is where it comes from. That's why we do this, out of reverence for God's word. There was this worship. Often worship in the Old Testament had the idea of serving. There was action. It wasn't just, it wasn't just um, bowing the knee. That's part of it. But there's this service component of, of taking action. The, the Hebrews often had a holistic aspect. You had to, to have a bodily response to, to um, what you were doing with God's word. And so I love verse 8. It shows why it's good to read Bible versions that you can understand. They read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so the people understood the reading. We should always end in worship. We should always head towards worship as we are we're reading God's word. That's why we pray and we try to have worship-based prayers as we, we pray through scriptures on Wednesday night, which I encourage you to come out to. I'll end with this. Are you empty? Do you feel like you kind of have your tank just kind of running on, on nothing as you enter this year? And you're like, I don't, John, John, I don't know if I can make another resolution. This is the one resolution that you'll be able to keep because God will help you keep it. Read God's word. Jesus Christ is the word of God. This is why he ma- this matters so much to him. And that's why Jesus can fill you with his word. Resolve to know him and his word this year. It will change your life. I'm going to call our, um, our worship team to come up. And um, let's, let's, out of response of, of his word, let's worship this great God, Jesus Christ, who didn't just give you words, but he was the word. He loves you so much. Let's close in prayer. God, we thank you for uh, we thank you for the word of God, which invokes us to worship you. Thank you for wanting to speak to us. Would we hear your voice, not harden our hearts? Would we obey and thus worship you? We react in service to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.